Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern that's going to roll this rockin' convoy across the USA. Wow. Uh, you can purchase our Visit Beautiful Braca Beach t-shirts now. Visit audible interlude podcast on instagram check out the link there uh these shirts were conceived by me designed by slick alicious and also check out shop slick alicious on instagram for all kinds of not just gi joe but all kinds of other awesome uh t-shirt designs and stuff uh so new shirt out there for the summer it's great please uh grab a shirt and it's, it's not even about, we're not like making a ton of money off these things. I just want people wearing audible interlude merch out in the world. That's my goal. An audible interlude shirt on every torso. Is that such a, such a big thing? Is that really I think that's a, a reasonable, uh, yeah, reasonable goal? I think mm-hmm. so. And, and, and if, if it doesn't happen, then I'm just going to have to hire somebody to create the shirt dominator that will launch shirts into the atmosphere. <laughs> a t-shirt cannon. That's right. Oh, wait, those already exist. And those do already exist. That's what we need for the next Joe Fest. <laughs> we'll be we'll be in that that hundred person room shooting t-shirts a thousand miles an hour into people's faces. That sounds safe. Uh all right. Uh, our next live stream is going to be on July the 16th, and it will be part of Cobra Convergence. Noel, what exactly is Cobra Convergence? Cobra Convergence is a convergence of Cobra-related material. Uh, several uh, YouTubers initially, of course, had a Cobra Commander 788, um, Forbes BX257, uh, Half the Battle Timmer, uh, all got together to do it the first year, and then it's been growing ever since. And we get to be on it for the second year in a row this year. And last year, we were just audio. This year, we're getting even fancier by doing the live stream. Yeah, we w- it will be a live stream, and Hooded Cobra Commander 788 will be returning to the show to join us for our Cobra Convergence episode, uh, which we are not yet divulging what our topic is, but you know us. <laughs> You know how we do. Uh, July 17th at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the day after that live stream, we will be having another live stream because we are going to count down the final hour of the Dragonfly HasLab, just like we did with the His Tank. Uh, we're going to follow along. We're going to talk. We've, we've got, I've got a couple of topics lined up to keep us occupied for an hour. We'll be interacting with the chat. And I'll tell you, that's one of the things that the last couple of live streams, we've had so much going on uh, that we haven't actually interacted with the chat as much as we normally do. But that's a big part of the appeal for the live streams for me is having the people there with us that we can talk to and interact with. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, we're, we're going to get back to that. We've just had awesome guests lately, so there's been a lot going on. Uh, and then, fi- uh, no, not finally, July 23rd, we have another live stream where we're going to talk about whatever happens at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con that's G.I. Joe related. Uh, and then finally, on July the 31st, uh, we will return to our regular live stream format, uh, no, well, as of now, we don't have any guests planned. We'll see what happens. We know how those things go. 
Uh, so follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast, on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible, and uh, just tell us what you want to hear. We always love input. We like to hear what people like about the show, what they want more of. What? Well, we don't care what you want less of. You're getting as much as we want to give you of everything. But if there's something you want more, you let us know, and we'll we'll do that for you. This is our ongoing segment called Rank and File Card. We're going all the way back to the beginning of A Real American Hero and taking a look at every single file card that was released over the history of that toy line. We started in 1982, and we're still in 1982. Uh, this this process, we, we have got a couple of decades worth of content uh, going by the file cards here but this week we are taking a look at Steeler. i don't remember where we were in the uh rotation here who who wants to talk about Steeler? i'll 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 talk about Steeler. i think it's okay. been a couple couple weeks since i did it uh Steeler. uh well of course his uh his his role is tank commander code name Steeler. you know what right off the bat let me let me throw something out there i had no recollection whatsoever because as we talk about every time you know I, I some of these file cards i haven't looked at since they first came out i had no recollection that he was tank commander i just didn't i never really thought about because you know you know stalkers the ranger you know like so many of them you have a pretty good idea of what it is but tank commander I, I don't know why that just when it popped up here i was like oh that's like a that's a powerful designation yeah because the only other commander we get early on in the line is Cobra Command. You could almost think, like, is how many little kids, and I, I don't think I looked at it this way, but how many little kids, like, kind of looked at Tank Commander and were like, oh, is this guy the leader? Uh, you know, it, it would mm. probably seem pretty obvious. I, I'm honestly surprised I did not consider him the leader because I didn't even have a hawk, and I didn't know right. Hawk was supposed to be the leader. Yeah, yeah, me either. I don't, in the early years, I know Clutch was... Like, I don't know that I necessarily thought of him as like the commander, but Clutch was my guy. He yeah, was like, I, I knew, I knew Clutch was pretty far down the ranks, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I knew a guy who greased his hair with motor oil could not possibly be, uh, that high up the, in the ranks. <laughs> so anyway, please continue on. Uh, All with right. Steeler. So, yeah. So we have our tank commander codename Steeler. Uh, his file name is Ralph W. Pulaski, uh, and his serial number is uh, uh, Romeo Alpha 0353-660-908. And we will discuss whether or not future, although I don't know if there was another Steeler at any point during the line. Whoa. Okay, wait, I've got it pulled up. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there were. Yeah, there's several. There are other Steelers in the, in the mm -hmm. before 94? yes wow oh wait no no before 94 no yeah you're right you're right right yeah yeah i'm, I'm just thinking of vintage years yeah 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 that's so yeah all we have is version one and version 1.5 so his primary military specialty is armor that makes sense his secondary military specialty is artillery comma transportation his birthplace is pittsburgh pa hence the name Steeler. And his grade is O1. So he is, in fact, an officer. 
Steeler. That just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I just got that. Oh, <laughs> the, had you never put Steeler. two and two together on the? Pittsburgh I'm not a and... I'm not a sports guy, <laughs> so it didn't occur to me like right off the bat. I never even really thought about it. Yeah, I wow. knew that. Well, and I knew that, and I also knew that there are a lot of people of Polish descent who live in Pittsburgh. Uh, a city I just got back from actually about a week and a half ago. Uh, but uh, so like all that kind of made sense to me. Like, oh, his name's Pulaski and he's Steeler because he's from Pittsburgh. So, you know, I, I I saw what you were laying down there, Larry, way back in the day. Um, so we'll uh, we'll go to the uh, the the dossier here. Steeler comes from a blue collar middle class background. He put himself through college and an ROTC scholarship and work as a heavy equipment operator. Um, familiar and proficient with all NATO and Warsaw, uh, Warsaw Pact AFVs. Graduated armor school, top of class. Special training, cadre XAFV project. Artillery school, AFV desert exercise. Covert ops school. And he's a qualified expert in M16, M1911A1, MAC-10, and the Uzi, which is, uh, well, I know we, we get the M16 and the M1911A1 on pretty much every 82 Joe as being a qualified expert, but uh, I don't remember if we got any other MAC-10s. I'm sure that Snake Eyes probably had Uzi as his Yeah, as well. yeah. And then, of course, uh, the quote, which, as we have all decided, this is all General Hawks uh, saying, didn't have a lot to say about Steeler. Young, reckless, often clashes with with authority, in parentheses, superior officers, but he's one tough soldier. <laughs> That's very, very generic. That was that that was pretty much the last one that I think that Larry got to in eighty two. I I think that fits with his description of a blue collar middle class background because that is how my older brother is that's most of the kids i went to school had the sort of clashing with authority so well hmm. you know it's that description is probably part of the reason why we didn't get a lot of stealer in the media because there's really not a lot to work with there as far as personality goes. He's, well, but he's, I he's, mean, he did get he did get one of the most interesting roles in Sunbow eventually. Well, he did, only to get rid of his character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, right, 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 right. Yeah. Only absolutely. because they weren't selling the toy anymore and they wanted people to not want to buy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to make sure people don't care about this toy because we're cutting it out of the line but yeah i mean when you think about like i, I mentioned earlier the the clutch thing ever since i was you know seven years old and had a clutch figure i've remembered that he always has a toothpick in his mouth he calls women chicks and he creases his hair with motor oil and that's what made those characters so interesting is when you got little things like that that made them like stand out and so yeah it it would make sense that clutch got a lot of play in the cartoon and sealer did not (laughs) well and i i think it's funny that uh larry helma felt like he needed to point out uh, the authority were superior officers 
Right, what, right. What else yeah. is authority in, in the armed forces? Well, in this case, because he is an officer, I suppose, you know. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you're right. Which he is has a lot weird. of people that are below his pay, his And isn't it a little yeah. weird that he's an officer? Yes, that's what struck me the most when I was looking at this for my notes, because he ranks higher than Stalker. Yeah, Stalker's a, just, I mean, he's an E5 sergeant. He's... Yeah, that just blows my mind, especially when you have a description of young, reckless, and clashes with authority. He's so a loose cannon. <laughs> I like the, uh, the blue-collar, middle-class background. It's not particularly unique, but I like the idea of this guy that deals with kind of the, the heavy armored stuff comes from uh you know a grounded working class background uh and of course now we've got our input which by the way he's he's getting into these now the current batch that we're in mm. he's he's found his groove and when i say he i am referring to retired lieutenant colonel tom west codename mongoose my dad uh who I shared a lot of very early G.I. Joe memories with. He was uh, early in the line when it was much more military-based, when you could look at the vehicles and everything and the equipment and and kind of see a little more clearly what it was based on from the real world. Uh, he was very, very into that stuff. Uh, so, codename Mongoose's thoughts about the tank commander, and that's the other thing I noticed about this newest batch, is he never uses their code names. He always, when he sends me the notes, uh, he uses the the top because that's the top of the file card. Right. Uh, so he uses that designation because to him, he doesn't know who Steeler or Clutch or Cobra Commander or anybody is. He's just going by the top of the file card. Uh, so Tank Commander. This individual is an entry-level officer, second lieutenant. Don't see how he could have specialties of armor, artillery, and transportation at that level in the short time he has been on active duty. He could possibly have been in the Army National Guard or Army Reserve before and during his college attendance. On the other hand, he could have previously been a captain and been busted back to second lieutenant due to summary court-martial. However, this normally means dishonorable discharge. So this is, I like uh, that. You know what? I like that theory because he clashes with authority. So right, uh, there you right. go. That, and, and that's, what's so fun about this is, is so many of the real world, real world practical things that my dad points out about these actually do line up with a lot of the Joe stuff he's mentioned before this individual, their experience doesn't necessarily match their rank unless they've been busted down and the Joes are unique individualistic specialists so a lot of them may have had some kind of disciplinary issues in the past but that's why they get recognized and why they excel at certain specialties uh but it i just like hearing these real world applications to to larry hama's uh backgrounds for these people it's it's always interesting to see somebody who's not uh enmeshed in gi joe in the way that we are and their practical take on all of this stuff mm -hmm. one of these days i'm going to sit down and watch an episode of the cartoon with him 
and see how that goes. <laughs> because I don't think he ever watched a single episode of the cartoon with me. So that that could be a lot of fun. And I'll I'll bring out the file cards and say, okay, in this episode, you you've we've got these people that you talked about. Let's go. Uh, all right. Any further thought? Oh, we've got to talk about the file card art. Uh, great. I, yeah. I love the accompanying art on this one. Obviously, it's from the box art, uh, but definitely like gritty, determined. But what's funny to me, a lot of times in this artwork, there'll be a piece of equipment or an aspect of the figure that is a little more realistic than what we see on the figure, or it doesn't quite represent the same. But Steeler's wacky visor looks exactly the same in this mm -hmm. artwork as it does on the figure. Yeah, it just looks like it's molded out of gray plastic. It doesn't <laughs> right, have a lens right. on it or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but the look on his face is awesome. Uh, it's, it's just great. And, and sometime down the road, we'll talk about the Steeler figure because it's actually, I think, one of the standout 1982 <laughs> figures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those nice gold accents and all that make it really pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of the Sunbow. So oh, I have one final thought. What do you got? So after being reminded of what his name is, and we have had other crossovers where a G.I. Joe character has a descendant in another show or another line, I would now like to believe that Steeler is the descendant of dear old Dr. Pulaski from the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> Done. It's canon. Fire. I was going to say he owned uh, Pulaski's candy shop uh, from A Christmas Story, which also had a character named Ralph. Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting weird. We better move on. <laughs> here on Audible Interlude. <laughs> All right, a few weeks ago, Christian started us off on this journey that we've been on uh, of, of reviewing The Revenge of Cobra. Now, we started with part two. We skipped right over part one because we don't care about establishing anything. We just want to get straight to the action. Uh, we reviewed episodes two and three already, and now we are reviewing part four, Battle on the Roof of the World. The original air date was September 13th, 1984. Is directed by Dan Thompson and written by Ron Friedman, who directed and wrote uh, everything in this miniseries. Uh, this miniseries is not included in the season DVD sets. It was uh, included in a miniseries collection of DVDs that was released separately, and it was included, uh, obviously, in the Foot Locker. And I'm sure you guys, it's on YouTube. It's, on, it's not it's on, on Tubi, which is weird. No, but it is also on the uh, Hasbro G.I. Joe Facebook page. Is it, mm -hmm. is it on the hub? <laughs> the hub. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so uh, last time... Using a laser core, Destro activates the Weather Dominator. The Joe T repels a lightning attack, and the Weather Dominator explodes. G.I. Joe must recover the three parts, or all is lost. 
Lady J, Shipwreck, and Gung Ho lose their part of the Weather Dominator to Major Flood as an earthquake strikes. And now the fourth episode of G.I. Joe, The Revenge of Cobra. So our Joes are in peril. Uh, Lady J's net javelin saves the day. <laughs> Off the top of your heads, and I can't do this at all. I don't know if you guys are going to have a response to this or not. Do you remember how many or other specialized javelins that she had? I'm pretty sure that there were just some that were bombs. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I think that there was more than one instance of the net being deployed. Sometimes it was like a net that could just capture people. And then sometimes it's a net that just conveniently happened to go the width of this chasm and just happened to be placed exactly <laughs> in the spot where both Gung Ho and uh, Shipwreck were going to land. <laughs> I, you, know, you know what I wish she had? I wish she had a boxing glove javelin. <laughs> Uh, so Lady Lady J's net javelin saves the Joes, uh, and then I was after one or two though. She's got a bunch of javelins back there, and she's like blindly reaching for them. How no, she, like she knows? What are the she can tell. She, the wrong she can one? tell. It's she the can tell. it's the same with with Hawkeye. Right, they go right. in a certain order <laughs> yeah. in the holder, so you you know exactly where it is. Dude, I want um, if you anybody who collects Marvel Legends uh, knows that the mcu hawkeye figures his uh his quiver actually you can see the detail of the way that it rotates because if you if you look in the avengers movies like it it rotates to what he wants like it actually moves um while the figures quiver doesn't move it does look like it has the mechanism it's this round thing and they're all placed in there i want a lady j backpack like you know because we need some more lady j figures right so next time they do a classified lady j figure i want an updated backpack like hawkeye's uh rotating quiver with all her javelins in it that's what we need to sell more lady j's <laughs> uh shipwreck i, busts I just out. like how how we've had this earthquake that has opened up all these chasms, right? And her throwing her javelin, shipwreck throwing his hooks into the damaged earth just doesn't cause any more. It's fine. Damage. It's We're fine. good. We're good. Yeah. And and shipwreck's grappling hook again is like the one of the classified figure and is not the leaves or whatever uh that the figure came with which i appreciate it's like well, a, he, it pops out it's great well this won't be the last time that there's some selective decisions on what causes environmental disasters to happen as far as weapons go in this same episode <laughs> yeah yeah right 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 uh so shipwreck uh, busts out his grappling hook uh hooks it into the rock pulls him back and they slingshot out of the uh deadly cavern or uh crevice to safety and then we move back to the island of death or no return, no return. island of no return uh with what what is this computer that doc is using <laughs> what is that it because, just happens to be set up right next to the whale it well looks like it's not not very portable what is it part because he's looking at it and it it tells him the weather, 
but it also controls the smoke deployment on the whale <laughs> because he's sitting there with this big giant not portable at all computer and he's like oh it looks like the the we've got storms rolling in and more typhoons and all kinds of bad stuff and then cutter's like all right well time to time to smoke them out and doc same computer console hits a button smoke starts pouring out of the whale very strange very multi-purpose gigantic not portable at all uh system and then we get uh a fang gets shot down and as always happens the pilot ejects and parachutes to safety you know what i want and we're gonna we're gonna get into some missing in actions here as we talk about this one i want super seven to make some cobra soldiers and some gi joe figures or actually, you know what? I just want separate parachutes. Super 7 is San Diego Comic-Con in their little store this year. Parachute they need to packs. make parachute packs yeah. to go with the reaction figures, but use that Cobra camouflage that they had last year and do a G.I. Joe camouflage for this year and just do little parachute packs for it. Make them 10 bucks. I don't care. But I, I want to be able to put little parachutes on my reaction figures and throw them up in the air and have them float down. I think that would be great. Uh, I also want, speaking of Super 7, I cannot wait to get a brightly sunbow-colored spirit ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing Storm Shadow. that You know spirit's got to be soon. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, soon is the wrong word. <laughs> spirit, <laughs> spirit has got to be... In the next so, three years. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so we, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, they're back at the island of no return. Spirit and Storm Shadow are having their showdown. Uh, where where are you guys with this? We've we've saved our Joes, so we're feeling pretty good, but we're right back into conflict. I, I should probably save this for the end, but I everybody's seen it. Last episode last episode three just had it, you know, there was just such a great cliffhanger beginning there with mud, you know, drowning in the sand. And we all said how, you know, at the end of episode two, like we had this anxiety about it. And I didn't get that. From yeah, yeah. This. Yeah, no, I'm with, you. I'm with Jane. you. So I feel like, unfortunately, I, I was like, ah, this is sort of anticlimactic. I, I need something a little bit more well fortunately this episode gives you more but you're right for the opening this was not as as dynamic and as much well even but even the much rescue wasn't that dynamic no 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 but, but it it's had, also it we're also getting to the point now it's like it's diminishing returns right right yeah each time there's a cliffhanger we, we know they're they're gonna be okay like we had spirit and storm shadow fighting last episode we had freedom catching throwing stars in his mouth and now we get them talking dwelling see but that well we we're not there yet yeah we're not there yet we gotta we gotta save that um so we have our uh spirit and storm shadow getting down to business and then we go back because we've got a lot going on in a lot of different places to uh roadblock and hondaloo west 
who Word. like completely had forgotten because they completely skipped an episode with him, didn't they? Or were they were they no. in the last episode? No, they were. Yeah, they were we, in the last. We one. met her last episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there but just it was wasn't just much. that one scene. Yeah, right, right. Um, so they are in the back of Optimus Prime still, which we we discover there are like eight Optimus Primes, and they are headed for the Cobra uh, Fortress that is rising up out of the desert sands, which is always cool to see. And Hondalu West obviously concerned about this. And Roadblock says, it ain't Toyland, babe. Which, <laughs> boy, is that a date. Even in 1984 we, or 5? We were, we were all Scott Bayo fans. What are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> and then, Charles uh, is not in charge of me. He says, this is a place I wouldn't want to be caught dead, and I'm talking dead with a very big D. I don't want to dissect that line any nope. more than we're going to. Let's move I, on. I do, however, uh, I, I, I still found myself saying something could uh, stampede a herd of Gila monsters for many years <laughs> after this episode. Uh, so then, then we drop in and visit Cobra Commander, who helpfully reminds us that the Ion Correlator and the Hydromaster are in play, and those are parts of the Weather Dominator. And uh, I'm sorry, Destro is well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Des Destro. Destro gives us a lot of exposition. Just likes to talk to himself, apparently. Well, and he likes to talk to himself because he sees himself as being in charge of everything. Until Cobra Commander walks in and calls him on it mm -hmm. and says, "These are our plans." And then Cobra Commander goes off on how uh, if things go badly, it's going to be bad for all of them. Cobra Commander, very into the teamwork, very yeah. into sharing. Uh, whereas I, I just love the idea that Destro kind of knows he's really the one running the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we see the great Cobra holographic map. I I would love for somebody to do, and, and it would cost a fortune, and so I wouldn't buy it. But I would love to see a third party make that Cobra control room with just the big monitors and the computers that Cobra Commander smashes for like no reason later on. <laughs> uh, but that holographic table with the top of the world on it, like I just, it'd be great to have that little display. Yeah. Super seven, get on this. Uh, yes. Cause Hasbro will not. So then we go back to spirit and storm shadow dwelling. As you guys said, yes. They, well, you know, they're, they're in this very large cave. I can imagine there's probably enough oxygen in there to hang out for a, for a few minutes, but apparently it's so low on oxygen that they're not going to fight. They're going to instead just dwell for a while. And we don't know. It's an indeterminate time that they actually dwell because they didn't cut away. Well, what's funny is they, they do stop fighting. They say, we're going to use up all the oxygen and uh, <laughs> spirit is like we got to find a way out of this and storm shadow is kind of just given up he's like uh well looks like we're gonna die but they get this really great moment where they're in their dwelling poses where they're both both cross-legged in the water and, and with a just just like christian and i are doing right now with a, the fist under the jaw and the, the thinker pose uh that really kind of cracked me up and i the spirit 
when he comes to the conclusion of how they escape, <clears throat> I remember this very, very clearly from when I was a kid, him explaining how the water was forcing the air out of the cave and how there must be a blowhole. I felt like I was watching an episode of Mr. Wizard's World. <laughs> like it seemed like the most genius science ever as he's explaining this to me. And even now watching it, I felt like obviously it's, as a grown adult, you kind of understand how these things would work. But it just, I remembered as a kid being like, wow, spirit is some kind of like geograph geological scientist. This is amazing. And clearly Storm Shadow felt the same way because this didn't occur to him at all. Uh, I also wonder why is the seawater green? Like green, green. It's very, yeah. Like Maybe that's why it's the island of no return. It's, it's oh. like someone spilled that a bunch of is... antifreeze or chartreuse into it yeah, or something. Water's not good for you. Uh, so Spirit explains how they can escape. They can get underneath the uh, whatever element. Is that the ion correlator, I think? Uh, I believe so. So they can get underneath the ion correlator, which even though it's just a box, apparently there's an underneath to it. Uh, and they go out through the blowhole and are ejected like a cannonball, <laughs> which I, I found a little ridiculous, but also visually very satisfying. So I'm fine with it. Uh, and it's very cool because Storm Shadow is like, you know what? I've got honor. You saved my life here. We got to part ways, but you take that doodad. I'm, I'm going to get out of here and leave you alone. Like, and again, as a kid, I remember how awesome I thought that was. The idea of like the bad guy having honor. Yeah. 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 They've said, as I mentioned last, last episode, they really handle storm shadow pretty well um, in this where he's not just like generic villain ninja guy yeah there there's depth to him and it's really fun uh so storm shadow leaves uh spirit freedom we can't forget freedom and the ion correlator are just up on this kind of ridge and then firefly and a bunch of cobra troops see uh spirit up there with the ion correlator and they're like let's go get him they start uh scaling this sheer cliff to get to spirit and freedom murders firefly <laughs> well and they they're all carrying weapons and yet they lunge after him instead of just like shooting him in the face which would have right. been a much easier way to yes, take down yes. spirit at this point well we don't you know this is this is 1985 we it's, it's a fun cartoon we don't want to yes. do too much shooting we already shot a fang out of the sky. That guy barely escaped with his life. We don't want to get too crazy over here. Well, I think Zartan's going to do all the shooting we need here. And just Zartan moment, so. does a lot of, of, of dastardly stuff, and a I love it. Everything. And he straight up says, we are on our side, first and foremost. And the Dreadnoughts are just dumb as bricks. My gosh. R Ripper's... Cool, blimey, I don't understand. <laughs> like, so over-the-top doofus. It's amazing. Uh, so, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts are still in their submarine, which is oddly no longer Dreadnought colored. 
we noticed in the last episode that just because of the way it was drawn underwater, it had that sort of teal and, and green dreadnought coloring. This time it was kind of just blue. It was, it was much that's, less exciting. That's how that water got green. They did not mm. use water. Submarine. That totally makes sense. Actually. I think we just explained that. Good job, everybody. And then isn't uh, this when we get the shot of the Baroness finally realizing where is Zartan? Because all last episode he wasn't joining think, the fight. I think it's later. I think it's actually once Was they it? get to the 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 roof of the world, she figures out that oh. they're yes. yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. At this point, they're still like completely underwater because they sneak between which I've got a question about this, but that awesome Cobra boat with the Cobra on the front and the whale are on opposite sides of the reef. Cause if you remember Firefly blew a hole in the reef so they could get through, but they're both beached on the reef, just shooting at each other. And Zartan it's red lasers and blue lasers for days at this point. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and Zartan takes his submarine just right through that hole in the reef. Uh, nobody sees him. Well, they, they decide, you know, they've got these two opposing smoke screens, which, you know, once one side has theirs up, does it really matter if the other one has theirs up? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Zartan cruises in, and then uh, Wild Bill comes in to save Spirit and Freedom. I always liked, well, two things I like. One, the Ion Correlator, which is larger than a human torso but spirit just chucks it into the back seat of the dragon well chucks it actually into the pilot seat of the dragonfly but we're not going right. to get into that right now <laughs> uh and then hops in there with it and then freedom i love how freedom just casually glides into the cockpit as it's closing yep yep so the, the, i already talked about this crazy cobra boat just up on the reef I, I don't even understand how I got up there. I don't remember that happening, but I'm, I'm sure it was an important detail that I just overlooked. Uh, and then as everybody's escaping, because the island is is headed for doom, uh, they just leave their Cobra boat on the reef. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so there's two things. Well, first of all, the, there's a there's a, a, a rattler that picks up lady uh, picks Baroness. up the Baroness and there's no pilot in it. So I'm yes. like, are, are I was they, wondering that <laughs> are they like drone rattlers that they're using? But also like, I'm thinking at this point in time, is storm shadow just left for dead on this Island somewhere or he figure his way out. And we find out later, obviously, but I was seriously like, Hmm, where's old stormy at this point? Because this island just disappears. You're right. He just walks yeah. off and we never see. Whoa. Well, he's a ninja. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. We um, have, we have what? Like molten lava. The island is sinking. And then kaboom. Which I don't know why it made me chuckle so much. Well, uh, it made me think of the scene in Frozen when the wooden sled crashes and catches on fire. Like, I don't know. I will tell you right now that nothing makes me think of Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just let it go. Uh, not one of my not one of my favorites. Uh 
Okay. So the Cobra boat's on the reef. Everything blows up. The whole island blows up. <laughs> so no return. We did get another look at the Cobra plane. And I would like to throw this out there. Super 7 is making a one-tenth scale cat's layer. So I think they're crazy enough to try the Cobra plane. <laughs> they they have already confirmed that they are doing a G.I. Joe vehicle crowdfund. We'll see. But I, I would love to have that Cobra plane in 118th scale. Yeah. Obviously, it wouldn't be true 118th scale. They they you know they'd toy it down. But man, that'd be something. Yeah. Uh so now we finally uh, make our way to the titular roof of the world. Uh, we get the Joes arriving on the scene, and they unpack, I think it's Snowjob's glacier sleds. Mm -hmm. And this brought up another childhood memory that I used to use my mom's uh, legs, pantyhose eggs. Do you remember those? Yes. Mm -hmm. the plastic eggs that the, the pantyhose came in. I would use those as glacier sleds for my GI Joes. <laughs> that just like hit me like in the brain as I was watching this. I was like, whoa, because we, we certainly did not have glaciers here in Georgia. So I didn't really need glacier sleds, but you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, um, this episode is how I learned what a sluiceway was, um, in, in the world of geology and, uh, yes, glaciers, because that's actually a real thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then we finally see, uh, well, we, I mean, we've seen Zartan and the Dreadnoughts, but we see them really getting into action because Zartan's plan has come to fruition where he wants each side to have a piece so he can maximize his take uh, from this whole operation. And I would love to see super seven figures of the Arctic dreadnoughts and their With Arctic... no sleeves. <laughs> yes. Well, no torch torch has no sleeves, but Ripper and buzzer both have like weird parka jacket situations going on. Uh, and Torch has Torch has like John Nord furry boots too. Yes, yes. Hus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they're bikes. So Zartan has the trike, which I love. Well, and that's so I'm trying to figure out where do the bikes come from. I mean, are they in these backpacks that they're hauling up there with them? <laughs> because that's the only explanation. Well, they they somehow they, they park have... them. Oh no, the shrink ray came later for the Christmas yeah. episode. Yeah, they just are suddenly like getting on these bikes, and I'm like, where did the bikes come from? Well, they are assembling them. Like they're, when yeah, we they're first see them, they're putting them together. And I was like, the only explanation is that they're in these backpacks, but those are not very large. So they, uh, maybe they were, they were in Zartan's that, that box that comes with the swamp skier. Yeah. They were in that. We just didn't see it. Just wasn't on screen. Uh, Baroness flying around in the Rattler uh, with her wacky flight helmet. I am so happy we're getting a toy representation of that insane <laughs> flight helmet, pilot helmet, whatever it is. Uh, 
We get a little exposition where she's talking about how bad the weather is. And then we get, I think, the weirdest Baroness line delivery we get in all of Sunbow. She says, curse this weather, but it's like she's doing an impersonation of Cobra Commander. <laughs> it's so weird because at first I thought it was Cobra Commander. Uh, and then I realized, no, it's Baroness in the Rattler talking about this weather, but she's just, she's so angry. She's lost an octave. And then we get Destro in the fabulous Cobra drill machine. Yes. Ah, yes. The drill tank, which is the, like the ultimate sci-fi weapon from every single like toy line that I followed. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they I, I to the point where I thought that these are a thing that just exists in real life, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I was shocked to grow up and discover that uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, uh Gobots, everything. Transformers. Yes, yeah, there's a Gobot. There is a Gobot who has a drill machine for a head. His name is Screwhead. Because of course it is. <laughs> his and, a primitive in Japan, his name is Rod Drill. <laughs> yes. So but Good Lord. skipping ahead, they did finally release a drill machine. What was it in the Revenge of Cobra toy line? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rise of Rise of Cobra. Rise of Cobra. I, Cobra. I, have, I have I've got Revenge several, of Cobra on the brain. I have several of those because I was so happy there was finally a G.I. <laughs> Joe toy of a, a drill machine. Uh, so then we get the Joes in their glacier sleds going through the sluiceways. And for whatever reason, shipwreck and gung ho sled bringing up the rear is just going crazy, cocoa banana bonkers. Oh yeah, multiple times we just see it spinning out of control. Well, but, it's uh, multiple times because it's literally the same. It's the same shot, animation yeah. frames both <laughs> times. Uh, yeah, I did, and they, there was never like you'd think if they're going to do that, there would at least be a close up of shipwreck going whoa, whoa, but no, there's not. I. I firmly believe that shipwreck is the one doing it shipwreck is the person that goes canoeing with you and then starts rocking oh the you're boat right to you're see right. if it would flip so he absolutely thought he was being funny yeah and then that was it he's doing it just to annoy gung-ho yeah, yeah. good call uh back to zartan and the dreadnoughts we get zartan's just out walking around in in the daytime but then the sun comes out from behind the clouds and the direct sunlight is what gets him. So he can be out during the day. He's not a vampire, but if it's direct sunlight, that's what activates whatever that is. The His Arctic kryptonite. sun. The Arctic sun is melting. I can't do Zartan at all, apparently. <laughs> uh, but he does, once again, drop in science. Like Galileo dropped the orange. Zartan talks about how the Arctic sun is going to be melting the glaciers and causing all kinds of calamity, and they better get out of their suit. The laser core itself is by far the coolest piece of the Weather Dominator. We've got the Hydro Master that's just this pointy thing that one dude can just carry around no problem. Uh, The Ion Correlator that's just a box, not interesting at all. But the laser core is this giant. It's huge, first of all. I did not realize how big this thing was. And it's got lights all around it. Big circular. Well, 
for, it's a disco hockey puck. It's right. just a, a giant super hockey large puck. hockey puck. Right. Although it's I would great. say that's, you know, I, I always considered this hockey, but now that I'm watching this back, I was like, they're, they're doing more curling, I think, than hockey in this scene. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure you're right. I just know it's a battle on ice skates. Which the Joes... they can just magically just strap right under their boots. I under love their that boots. About... Yes. Just, now, just I, like I George Clooney and, and Chris Robin. O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they just tap their boots together and ice skates pop out. Where were they? <laughs> uh, so then, then we, uh, so, so we've got the Joes and the Cobras gearing up to battle for this laser core. Uh, and then we go back to Cobra Commander, who is losing his mind for, like, no reason. Nothing has even <laughs> happened yet. And he's freaking out, destroys hundreds of thousands of dollars of expensive Cobra computer equipment with this chair. Rips a chair just, like, directly out of the out of the ground. I mean, hey, <laughs> Cobra Commander looking pretty swole there. And, uh, and then, and I, I'm, like... 80% sure I'm wrong about this, but is this the first Crimson Guard we saw in Sunbow? I yes. have been, yeah, because I, I was looking for that all day today, trying to find out if that's that's true, because like, if if that's the case, which I'm pretty sure it is, they did a really terrible job of selling that Crimson Guard figure to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, from what I saw, or what I was reading online, um, not only first appearance, but obviously he appeared before Tomax and Zaymon as well. We're oh, wow. Yeah. And you see, he's just by himself. So, yeah, no hint that he is, is like anything special. army builder or anything like well, that. Well, uh, no, I take that back. Okay, so he does come across as something special because all of the Cobra troops with him are mm -hmm. officers. They all have the silver cobra emblem. So he's heading up a uh, group of uh, a squad of cobra officers it, for it, some odd it, reason. It it sometimes uh, like it makes you wonder was when they first came up with this character was this supposed to be a single character initially? Maybe that they right, right. later yeah. developed into a troop builder and then they built Tomax and Zaymod around them. Or you know, I'm always curious to hear that kind of thing. But like he's just completely like just crumbles in the face of cobra commander oh yeah he's just as useless as any other cobra well, and then cobra later Commander's on is going bs crazy well then later on like roadblock just like taps him barely with his forearm and he just drops like a ton <laughs> of bricks <laughs> and then he just picks him up like a baby <laughs> uh so real real quick as an aside uh when i was when i was a kid the crimson guards were just like executive troops. I didn't the whole all of their faces being the same, like the comic stuff. Like I liked the idea of like Fred, but I didn't necessarily like when I played the Crimson Guards were just they were like the Royal Royal Guards in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I didn't treat them as anything more than that. They honestly weren't even battlefield guys. They were, this is why I'm always so blown away when people say that they're their favorite troop builder, because to me, they're like, uh, puff. They're, they're fluff. They're, they're, they stay they're, in the base. And... They look fancy. Yeah. And they are there. Like when Cobra commander goes off on, 
diplomatic meetings or whatever he might be with them or, or Tomax and Zamot, they, they have a, a whole cadre of Crimson Guards standing around their offices because they look impressive. But I never thought of them as elite troops or in, anything like that. They're just Cobras in fancier uniforms. Mm. And, and I almost, tri- because we never got a figure of, of a Fred, Mm-hmm. So I almost treated that like something else entirely. All right. Anyway. Uh, so, so I'm, but it does make me feel great that you guys also kind of thought this was the first Crimson Garden Sunbow. Cause when I thought it, I was like, I, I know how my brain is. And I'm like, I probably am forgetting something. So real quickly, I, I for me, this whole scene with Cobra commander, especially when he's talking to the Crimson, um, guard the animation even though it isn't as fluid as sunbow usually does i think the animation in this scene is great because the camera angles that they are using and cutting to are different than what we typically got with gi joe like there's this great um shot where the camera's like angled up it's almost like a dutch angle yeah, it's it's very Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty six, yeah. and and they, you know, when Cobra Commander, he's like having this freak out, and so they're they're basically reusing the same animation over to just give his arms like this frenetic, like I'm coked out kind of <laughs> movement. Um, so yeah, I I really dig it. It's it's almost like Deke worthy at this point in some of the not not necessarily the, the animation quality is better but like the yeah, yeah, silliness yeah. of this scene absolutely because you go from this to a pure slapstick Buster Keaton moment and, and then, now yeah. I'll let Dave go on the the Cobra <laughs> Commander once once he hears Roadblock's voice. Uh, in this scene, and his face is the, the most expressive eyes. you ever see it. Yes. I'm... Well, yeah, the eye holes are huge. <laughs> it's it's wild. Uh, so, yes, Roadblock enters the scene, uh, just puts Cobra Commander in a headlock, and then picks him up like a baby, runs out of the room, and then starts singing the G.I. Joe theme song, is which it? means it's in-universe. <laughs> Well, and there's, I mean, that's not the only time they do it. It's the first time, but in Cold Slither, they also sing the G.I. Joe yes. theme song as yes. well. So we know it's in universe, but it, it does raise a whole lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I, I feel so, so bad for Roblox voice actor. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was that bad on purpose. I don't know if it was that bad so that he could maintain Roblox's voice. But I think I think not that's... singing. I think that's what it was. And you know what? He probably had fun with it. I, oh, I sure, can't sure, sure. I just wish maybe they had changed the background music because they're playing the theme and it's just, <laughs> yeah, wrote, find the note. 
Uh, so we think Roadblock and Hondaloo are going to make because uh, Roadblock just throws Cobra Commander to all these uh, Cobras. Uh, we think they're going to escape, but then they don't. All these uh, officers take them down and bring them to the arena of sport, which talking about things we'd completely forgotten about. <laughs> I totally forgot Duke and Snake Eyes. I guess they just they're been... just hanging out. They're just yeah. standing there. <laughs> Just hanging out in the arena of sport. Uh, Scrap Iron plays a pretty big role in this sequence of scenes because he's the one that steps out with the flamethrower and subdues uh, Roadblock and Hondaloo, which that flamethrower is basically torches, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's the one that turns on the Tron Snakes in the arena of sport and again going back to when i was a kid even as a kid the tron snakes didn't make any sense to me no i was like they're light how is light gonna hurt these people which is a dumb thing for a kid to think because whatever just go with it but even then i was just like yeah i don't know about this (laughs) well and also um uh Ah, uh, um, sorry. Use my words. Roadblock and Duke's secret handshake. <laughs> like yeah. we just got thrown in the arena of sport. Let me make sure this is really you. Hey, okay. look, Cobra's, we've got time for that. Cobra's deceptive. That they could are. have been nefarious. Uh, true enough. It, it could have been a, a fake Duke, and who knows who's <laughs> under that Snake Eyes mask? That could be anybody. Uh, so, yeah, Scrap Iron is very sinister. I love, I, I don't know which voice actor is doing him. I'm sure it's one of the five it's involved Michael, in this show. Michael Bell did Scrap Iron. Oh, it Iron. is Michael yeah. Bell. Okay. Well, it's Michael Bell doing a great, like, sinister fiend. It's awesome. Uh, and then we go back to the roof of the world for the big curling battle. So we get... Uh, you know, hockey is the first thing that comes to mind, unless you're Noel. Uh, I don't what oh, explain curling. So curling is a a, a sport. It's a, it's a Winter Olympic sport, but essentially, like you're pushing a large, like heavy disc stone. Yeah, like a stone, and you have somebody who's like polishing it, like the ice, to make well, it go a certain speed. So they have they have brooms, right? Like like uh warehouse brooms and, and the the what really yeah so yeah. what you're trying to do is is sweep the ice fast enough that you're you're causing friction and melting it just a little bit so that when they throw the stone you want it to get like in the circle right closest to the center wind or knock out your opponents and so after the person throws it not throws but like it's almost like bowling ball-esque um then yeah you have your two sweepers and they sweep in front of it to keep it going that's insane one of my (laughs) technicians at city walk when the winter olympics happened the year that i i worked there she was obsessed with curling and so it was (laughs) always on in the break room one of my good friends uh moved here from tulsa and he was in a a, a curling league in Tulsa, and he's been trying to get uh, found, like find one here in Atlanta. A curling 
league in Tulsa. Yes. The places we go on this right. show. Uh, so let me ask you guys, uh, how often are grenades involved in curling? Uh, well, probably not often enough. Because Firefly, <laughs> rather than just grabbing the laser core, decides he's going to toss a grenade at a chunk of ice and just hope that it creates a divot that the the uh, laser core is going to ricochet out of. And and again, very selective about which things that go boom and pew pew are causing the environment to collapse upon itself. In yes, scene. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. We can throw grenades, but don't talk too loud. Right. Uh, then we get the dreadnoughts uh, really entering into the picture. And apparently the person bringing up the rear always has goofy vehicle action because we had shipwreck and gung ho sliding all over the place in their glacier sled. And then I think it's Ripper at the back of the dreadnoughts is for some reason, just flying all over the place on his dreadnought ice motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> so Lady Che stops, uh, somebody from shooting because she says we can't risk an avalanche and the very next scene zartan busts out a megaphone <laughs> and is like i am zartan and we have your laser core yes you're you're uh very uh odd as to what may or may not cause an avalanche so Zartan and the Dreadnoughts uh, use these really cool chain magnet things that I thought were just awesome when I was a kid. Steal the laser core right out from under Cobra and Joe. Uh, bring it up to the uh, one of the top outer edges of this glacier. Zartan busts out his microphone and says, you're going to have to deal with me if you want this laser core. And then to make things interesting, he pulls his pistol out. And for some reason, the gleam... On his pistol makes a noise. <laughs> well, he pulls his pistol out. Of course, he he says he's going to sell this to the highest bidder, and then he proceeds to try to kill both of the bidding parties. Well, but no, it's interesting because he knows that's not all of the bidding parties, right? Like he doesn't. He's just trying to slow them down so he can get away with laser core. He knows there's plenty more Joes and Cobras out there. He'll kill these guys no problem. I've, I actually thought that was a really cool mercenary, like villainous thing to do. But we uh, do know that uh, you know none of these other things cause avalanches, but Zartan's right. tiny little handgun, His little <laughs> pistol, little pistol, pew, and they're all everything. Gonna die. Everything comes tumbling down. Uh, and it, me being me, if you notice the animation, the Joes are running right, like yes. full on running yes when we cut to the cobras they are gliding it, <laughs> i didn't catch that yeah destro it's it is like some kind of water ballet or something because it's like this wide run and it's like his <laughs> legs and, and um uh all of the Cobras have it. That's what I found so interesting is it like their legs sort of hover in the air for a second and then they move and then they move. <laughs> and then it was like the animators realized because it happens like three times and then, okay, now we're running. 
So I like to think like they're just sliding on the ice, having fun. Did we, did we mention that we got the the redemption of uh, Storm Shadow and uh, yes. Spirit? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't we didn't mention it, but you're right. Uh, Storm Shadow saves Spirit. It says now, or even next time we meet, we will meet as enemies. Enemies. Uh, so the uh, the avalanche is happening. The Joes are headed toward the Cobras escape in what well, they escape in Rattlers, right? Rattlers, yeah. Uh, and the Joes are headed back towards the Sluiceway, but there's a big giant wall collapsing on top of them, and it sure does seem like the Joes are doomed. <laughs> We've never seen the Joes in peril at the end of an episode. Whatever <laughs> shall happen. <laughs> Uh, so this, and that is where we end. Uh, we will uh, resume for our next audio episode. Uh, this episode felt a little shorter to me. I don't know if it was more action-packed or what, but it, it, I was actually a little surprised when it ended. I was like, oh, that's it. I think it's because it wasn't action-packed until the very, very end. What's weird uh, is yeah. that like, I remember this whole battle on the roof of the world being like the crux of an entire the episode, whole ep- right? I but felt it's the, the same last way. five minutes. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt like it was going to be the whole episode, which is why I think I was so shocked when it ended. When it did, I was like, "Wait, that's it?" I thought that that puck hockey curling battle went on forever. Yeah, and it really doesn't. Uh, but still, a really fun episode. Not probably my favorite of the three we've watched so far yeah i think it's the weakest of the three thus far I, yeah i think so but still great i mean it's still gi joe it's awesome it's yeah. fun uh and it's a necessary part of this five-part miniseries and we will be discussing the final portion on our next audio episode in two weeks same joe time same joe <laughs> channel in our next episode, both G.I. Joe and Cobra track down Sartan in the amusement park of terror. Storm Shadow infiltrates G.I. Joe headquarters, and Cobra and G.I. Joe clash in the ultimate battle, all in the next and final episode of G.I. Joe, The Revenge of Cobra. To battle the evil Cobra Ninjas, the Joes unleash new Shadow Ninjas. Masters of invisibility. Dunk them in warm water, invisibly concealed. Douse them with cold, true colors revealed. But Cobra's got Shadow Ninjas of their own. Stealth warriors with fast action ninja moves. They've got karate kicks and secret ninja tricks. Invisible, unbeatable, really deadly. Shadow Ninjas. G.I. Joe and Cobra Shadow Ninjas each sold separately. Color change takes 30 seconds. Incredible Shadow Ninja action only with G.I. Welcome to Beyond the 80s, where we talk about something from G.I. Joe outside of our beloved years of 82 to 89. Well, really, we're more 82 to 87 people, but Beyond the 80s just has a better ring than Beyond 82 to 87. So give us a break here. Uh, I made the choice this time because I'm fascinated with this range of figures and and I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about 
what's going on with them. We're talking today about the 1994 Shadow Ninjas. I love translucent toys. I love color changing toys. I love like these aren't glow in the dark, but I love glow in the dark toys. Uh, and I've seen these. I every time I see these online, I want to buy them. But then when I see them in person, I'm like, eh, and I don't get them. I actually did talk to somebody at Joe Fest about them, and he was like, well, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, like with the age, like over time, apparently. Because look, I'm going to tell you guys right now, my familiarity with post-1987 G.I. Joe, or really post-1989 G.I. Joe, is not the best. I was aware of these. Until I started looking at these for this feature, I thought they were just translucent neon colored figures. Mm -hmm. I had no awareness of Inviso power whatsoever. (laughs) So prior to this, what was you guys level of familiarity with the shadow ninjas? None for me. Um, Although, because this was the era when my younger brother was collecting my younger brother was very much so into the Ninja Force um, because the regular versions of these characters right. we had. So while I can't comment on the Inviso power, there are some aspects of these that I, I'm sure we'll we'll get into that I have some strong thoughts on. But yeah, and I I don't think I've seen them online. Like when you sent us the notes that this is what we're going over and I was looking at them, I was like, I feel like this is the first time I've ever laid eyes on them. Every time I see them like on Yojo or or eBay or whatever, I'm like, oh man, I want these so bad. And then I see them in person and I don't buy them because something about them in person for some reason doesn't fascinate me as much. And then I see them online and I'm like, dumb, dumb. Why didn't you buy those? <laughs> I have the worst relationship with these things. Noel, what is your knowledge of these? Uh, I think the first time I ever even saw them was when Hooded Cobra Commander 788 did his review of the Snake Eyes, um, the 94 Shadow Ninja Snake Eyes. And I didn't, I didn't realize it until watching his video when he's dunking them in the water that uh, they had this inviso power that turns them uh, like uh, off white color, I guess. That cloudy yeah, white. It's, 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 I mean, it's not the most satisfying color change ever, which I will go on record right now and say that the most satisfying water based color change ever is the hot wheels that you put through the car wash and they would change colors. Yes. I think that's the most satisfying toy water-based color change process ever. And any listener who disagrees, let us know. We want to hear what you think. Uh, Hit us up on Instagram. uh, Take a picture of your preferred color change and tag us in it. Uh, this is, this will be an ongoing conversation because it is one of the great toy gimmicks for sure. Uh, so starting off, we got to talk about Bushido. Now I have very little familiarity with Bushido other than 
when I started doing GI Joe reviews on YouTube, I had one commenter who was obsessed. Do you guys remember this? I think I yes. said to you, <laughs> yes. obsessed with Bushido. And I, to this day, do not know if they were just messing with me or if they really did think Bushido was the greatest GI Joe of all time. Uh, this figure, and, and when you look at these figures, like the elbow joint pieces look so bad. Uh, I don't mind the the difference in color between the forearms and the rest of the figure because that's just, I think, just how it is. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, but this, to me, is the weirdest of this set. Looking at this guy, like, how do you feel about this? I like his weapons. Actually, for most of these, I like their weapons because they're cast in a clear uh, colored plastic. Like his are like a clear blue. So it sort of looks like ice weapons. But yeah, he does have like a sub zero thing going on, doesn't he? Right. But as far as the design, um, I because my younger brother had the regular version, I was just so indifferent to he's, him. Yeah, he's a very underwhelming figure to begin with. Um, you know, even for like '90s standards, he's yeah. tacky, but he's not tacky enough. If yes. that makes any sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, like this version is just like a muted version of the original figure. And and I'd also like to point out that samurai are not ninjas. No. <laughs> yeah, this is the least interesting one to me. And if if I were to acquire some now, I do. You're right, Christian. His his translucent blue weapons are choice. I dig those a lot, but the figure itself, I, I really don't have any interest in this one at all. Like at least, at least with the regular version, you have sorted different colors to break up and, and obviously you can't do that because of the inviso action but with as bland as his version one is when you remove all the contrasting color and you just make him black and odd blue yeah 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 just yeah, yeah no yeah, at uh, least the the original figure did have kind of a samurai look going for it this one just meh yeah mm -hmm. yeah that the, those black like horns that just i don't know the the, the original would looks better with just the white and the blue and that splash of red but i think the most interesting thing about this character is that his name is lloyd goldfine um <laughs> and he's is from hollis true? queen yes lloyd s goldfine from hollis queens new york it's and Bushido a... time in Hollis, Queens. <laughs> and he's a cold weather specialist. Wow. I can't wait for Classified to tackle <laughs> Lloyd <laughs> S. Goldfine. <laughs> yes, because you know they're going to lose the Bushido trademarks. They're going to call him uh, Lloyd S. Bushido. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. So, wait. The fact that he's a cold weather specialist from Hollis, Queens, like that has to be a reference to Christmas in Hollis, right? Perhaps. 
that's we're gonna have to dig deeper into Bushido <laughs> at some point. Maybe the YouTube guy was right, but not about this figure because this one is not great. <laughs> the next one up, however, the Night Creeper. And again, I'm not overly familiar with the original versions of these, but these well, are just more noteworthy to me. The the V2 Night Creeper reminds me of the weird aliens that they did in that one episode of uh, G.I. Joe with that big head. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Hate, this. I hate this design. It is... Well, considering some... how great the original Night, Fe- Night Creeper figure is... And then this is the V2. Yeah. Or the, well, this is the V3, but it, yeah, the, the one it's based on is the V2. It, so it looks like a Jerry Anderson villain. So I'm going to say this. I really like this design, but like Noel said, as like an alien, I don't like it as a ninja or a night creeper at all. But if it was some kind of alien, I would think it was great, especially with this color scheme. Well, and then they, if you look at the V2 figure and then this one, and I realize it's because the color changing gimmick, they're limited on what they can do with the colors. But the the version two at least has like, you know, dual color uh, trousers and it's got like the, right. the black bandolier around its chest and and you know, different splashes of color. And then this, uh, this one's just like, I'm purple and gray. Mm-hmm. And it's just so bland, especially, especially like not having anything on his chest to stand out, just that molded uh, yeah. bandolier. And it's not like they didn't do that with other figures in this line to have right. different Bushido colors. Bushido had the black straps. Yeah. And, and the snake eyes, which we'll get to has, uh, yeah, different colors. So I got to say the, the, and and someday down the road, we'll talk in more detail, but the night creeper version one is pretty awesome. Version two is okay. This one, the only thing it's weirdness is really all that makes it appealing to me. Not as a ninja figure. It's just a weird, weird figure. And I like it for that. Uh, And again, it has those translucent blue weapons, which is cool. Uh, all right, next up is somebody who we are potentially getting in the classified line pretty soon and who I don't really know anything about. He's named after one of the more popular ninja weapons, Nunchuck. What's the deal with Nunchuck? He's the least offensive one so far. <laughs> and, and- I would agree with that. Like, cause you know, he's just wearing a gi. So the fact that, you know, it's all just one color is okay because they at least broke it up by giving him the black boots, black gloves, and then, um, his soft goods, uh, whatever. I'm trying to figure out what that's supposed to be. It's like, um, it's like a Havelock, but yeah, uh, I'm looking at the original at the V1 too, which is a yeah. very different color scheme. Um, yeah, the V1 looks awesome. I love the idea of a ninja actually in camouflage. Yeah, and it's it, and it's almost like kind of like an urban camouflage. So it's kind of like a, a, a counterpart to your your night creeper. Now, is Nunchuck a Joe or a Cobra? He is a Joe. 
Okay, that's what I thought. Man, Ralph Baducci from Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) What's with all these New York ninjas? (laughs) What is this? Uh, I actually am hoping that that he is getting a classified figure. Well, this is not the nunchuck America's elite, so we're not going to talk about these other versions of nunchuck. Uh, The 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 one that I. I thought I had a spirit figure in my collection for so long. It <laughs> turned out to be a nunchuck figure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- this one's pretty good. I-, I like it. I like the the. I mean, the color change on all of them. They turned this uh, translucent white, which is pretty cool. I like that the the alternate colors the same on all of them. So it does give the impression that whatever their purpose is, they're all achieving the same thing. Uh, yeah, and this, this one, one is... definitely has the best Inviso power look, I think, thus far. Yes, yes. He, he kind of looks like he could be like in Storm Shadow's gang. Mm. And then the translucent pink uh, accessories, all cool. I dig that. So, yeah, this is one. That, this is one of the ones that like when I would see in person and I'd be like, ah, this is that thing I wanted, but I guess I don't really want it. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, okay, so Slice. We, these are getting better as we go along. Did they... Like, it's funny how these are in alphabetical order on Yojo, but they are, like... To me, Slice is now the best one so far. I like the color scheme better. I like the, the like, fencing mask type deal. Um, I could do without the soft goods on any of these. To be honest, I don't. I don't. I, I, I think his version one is a meh character, and I feel the same way about this one. Oh, really? See, I, I yeah. dig this one. I, I really like, but I also am kind of partial to the to like turquoise, green, blue colors. I dig it. Uh, but you're right. His version one looks like a knockoff figure. It's, like it's I, also I, weird to to have a slice in this line, but not have dice. Who you know? Those oh, two right. Kind of seem to be like they're they go hand in hand. Uh, and we've got translucent, uh, sort of turquoise-ish accessories, which I like. Um, yeah, I do. I do like this one, although his color change, and I don't know if this is maybe just the sample that's on Yo Joe. But it looks like the color change is not as white as the other ones. It's kind of a a dirty water color. Yeah, they just yeah. may not have had the water warm enough. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't know if that's just this sample. Um. Yeah, I think. Let's see. Out of the four so far, I like slice the most, and I'll tell you, it's because Nunchuck's head, that gray, I don't love. Hmm. I would prefer it if the mask and the head were pink to match the rest of it. I don't like that gray. That's weird to me. So you guys are just dismissing Slice. No Slice uh, for you. I'm not a fan, no. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Doesn't All do right. All right. All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, who wants to talk about Shadow Ninja Snake Eyes? With you his... mean arms in the middle of my torso snake eyes? <laughs> oh gosh, he looks, <laughs> he looks like the classified eel. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, this is a bad mold. This is this is the worst Snake Eyes mold from the uh, the the vintage line. Oh, and... he's got what's up so, with his? Okay, oh, he's so here's where I get a my yeah. my soapbox for Uh-oh. for why I disliked Ninja Force so much. Besides my whole, I don't like ninjas. <clears throat> Even as a kid, I don't like it when action. F- features affect the aesthetics yes. of a figure or the articulation of the figure like masters of the universe did it perfect well almost mm-hmm. perfectly like 99% of that line you never the action feature never stopped you from using that toy as a toy or With or Ninja- or interfered with the figure looking like the rest of the figures in the line yeah, right. like, I mean, like Ram you Man a, did, had like the conjoined legs, but that's fine because you're only using him in that. Like right, Ram Man, right? right. Walk. There's there's a few like Ram Man. Rattler had that extra long torso, but with with the Ninja Force line, so the four that we looked at before, they all had some sort of arm, spring loaded arm, right? So you either pulled it back oh, and it went forward, or you that... pulled it up and it went down. With Snake Eyes. You squeezed his legs together to get, I think it was both of his arms to move. Oh, see, I thought he had some kind of kicking action. You would think. But so they give him that the the space marine articulation there for his legs. And it just looks chunky in not a good way. And the spring loaded arms like that arm was pretty much useless unless you used it specifically with its action feature like you know Uh, if you you tried to move it outside of that then you were going to mess up the the action feature yeah that's that's really awful and i gotta say i i like the the sculpt like i like the design of this snake eyes uh like the features and the details and everything this Mm -hmm. weird elbow pad thing he's got sticking out this it's interesting i don't it's not my favorite but it's an interesting different thing uh and if if he had just a regular o-ring body uh i think it wouldn't be bad yeah, and it looks not this figure, but if you scroll down to the other versions and click on the V five up close, look at how terrible those shoulders are. How far down his torso they hang. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... so apparent in that picture. Where way more than you know the the pictures of this one. Um, but yeah, like whoever checked off that and said, "Yeah, this is this is good. Just put this in stores." Uh, I hope they got fired. But I do, like I said, I like this design, and I like the V5. I like the black with the light blue and the silver. Although yeah, the got, color on V5, because it's it's kind of a carryover from the V4 yeah, with yeah. the blue, mm-hmm. but it's got more black on it. So He's I, got I mean, like 50 grenades on him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the 90s. It was, certainly was. Rob Layfield was working at this point, so... Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, you know what? I've actually got... So if you look at... And, and again, we're not doing America's Elite here, but Snake Eyes version 10 is also a little similar to this one, and I've got that one, and it doesn't stand up at all. 
Mm. Terrible. We're going to have to do a Snake Eyes America's Elite. That's just a whole like episode. <laughs> You're right. It's not even going to be a single episode. Oh, my gosh, you guys. It'll okay, be so- a whole two episodes. <laughs> so I've been looking at eBay and Mercari at prices on these. On Mercari, they have Nunchuck, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, and... Oh wait, that's oh that's actually just Snake Eyes version four for forty five bucks shipped. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We got to move on. All right. Uh, so yeah, the Snake Eyes is, but the one on Yojo looks like brown water. Uh, yeah, this one's pretty terrible. So mm-hmm. we've we've taken a downward turn again. And also his weapons are also like this. Well, they're kind of smoke kind of smoke gray they're not they're not very exciting he's not very exciting but then i feel like we got a pretty strong comeback here storm shadow rounding them all out uh i like this color although i will say it looks like is he supposed to be blue Mm mm-hmm so he should be blue and he changes kind of a white. similar white to the rest of them. Yeah. Cause um, if you look, um, there's a carded one on eBay and I guess actually maybe it is like with age, they just take on their invisible power because yeah. the carded one, he's like solid white. That's, that's what, um, whoever I spoke to at Joe fest about this was saying that like they, they just kind of stopped changing color over time. And some of them keep their original colors. Some of them turn white. Like it's not even mm. consistent how they end up looking. It may, and it may also be like in the conditions that they're being stored in. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Yeah. If they're in warmer, yeah. they're warmer. They're going to wind up getting, uh, uh, whiter and vice and our, versa. Yeah, and look here. Yeah, here's one on Mercari, and and I realize this won't do the listeners any good, but it's just yep white in the package. Looks um, like Storm Shadow. Uh, right, right, like it's supposed to be. <laughs> uh, so uh, since we've already talked about previous ones, this is the Storm Shadow version three, which I think is a really nice mold. Now he so he's got some kind of dumb action though. What is what does he do? Swivel, waste, punch, or something? Uh, if his left arm is raised, the right arm goes back. So then, when you let go, they go in the opposite direction. Well, all so these, his all the Ninja Force figures had an action feature, right? So yeah. these all had them, but like the only one who just really impacts the mold is that Snake Eyes. Yeah, this one, like you can tell, it's different from a regular GI Joe figure, but it's not distractingly so. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, compared to the other four that just had like a single arm feature, his is both. So mm. anytime you raise an arm, the other one. opposite arm is going backwards. Uh, yeah. And it just, I don't know. I, I was a different kid, I guess, because I just hated that. No, that stuff, stuff never appealed to me. That that's kind of stuff always bothered me. Even even going to Hasbro's uh, WWF figures, 
that would have the action features like that stuff just bugs me i know i never wanted that it never that never added appeal to any toy for me any Mm -hmm. action figure for me uh okay but just purely aesthetically i like the gold i well i guess that's gold right Mm -hmm. kind of a Mm -hmm. bronzy gold color um the design of the figure is pretty solid again i could do without the soft goods belt but whatever uh translucent blue weapons look cool so out of these six figures uh christian which one is your favorite none <laughs> no you you have to pick one i have to you have it's to pick sophie's one. choice um <laughs> Oh, man, if I had to absolutely pick one, it would probably be, man, (laughs) I would get Bushido so I can get those weapons and then throw him in the garbage. (laughs) Okay. Or I give him to a child that is in need of... A terrible choice. <laughs> I gosh, it's tough. But uh, okay, so I absolutely hate the elbows on every single one of them. The elbows are one of the worst eyesores I've ever seen on an action figure. Uh I feel like overall Storm Shadow is the if you're just looking at like this has to fit in with my Joes, the Storm Shadow is the best. But as far as just being an interesting looking toy, and the one that I would buy if I had to buy one, I'm gonna go with the Night Creeper. The variety of colors, the weirdness of it, like that's an interesting looking toy. So that's that's my pick out of these. I got to go with Nunchuck. Um, I just think he's the most interesting looking of all of them. He's got the best color palette. Um, I know you're not crazy about the gray head, but it doesn't really bother me. Um, Just because it's a little, it changes it up. It's a little bit different. And I think that his Inviso power, at least from the picture on Yojo, uh, works the best. I am kind of uh, fascinated by the fact that his his rivets are painted pink, and so he has little pink polka dots on his arm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, there you go. I encourage everybody listening to check out the 1994 Shadow Ninjas. See what you think. Uh, Hit us up on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast. Uh, And there you go. There is another facet of G.I. Joe beyond the 80s. And that is all we've got for this episode of Audible Interlude. Our music is by Andy Sanford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Christian, where can we find that toy photography you do so well? You can find me on Flickr.com and Instagram under the name Legion Cub. And Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the finest? 
the finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club. And uh, we we uh, we raise money for an excellent organization called Canines for Warriors. Uh, check out thefinestcc.com or uh, look for us at your uh, next uh, show you go to, next uh, convention. We're often there raising money. Well, you guys, we've had a great time talking about G.I. Joe once again. I want to thank both of you for uh, taking part in this Uh it's it really is audible interlude is one of my favorite things in the world and i'm i'm glad that we're doing it together and i'm glad for everybody that's listening or participating in the live streams or whatever until next time yo joe Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.